everybody, it's James Rudd here with the Heart Podcast. Today, something slightly different. My colleague, Dr. Andrew Perry, a social media intern at Heart, has recently recorded an interview with Dr. Alan Doherty, who is the editor-in-chief of ATVB. And they have a discussion about single-cell transcriptomics and how such technologies can help understand various aspects of cardiovascular disease, including atherosclerosis and aortic aneurysm. This was recorded at the 2021 American Heart Association virtual meeting. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you for meeting with me today, Dr. Alan Doherty. Uh, can I have you introduce yourself, uh, state your name and your title for our audience? Sure, I'd be pleased to. So thank you for the invitation as well. I'm uh, Alan Doherty. Uh, I've been at the University of Kentucky now for 24 years. And uh, I have the honor of uh, leading the Saha Cardiovascular Research Institute. And uh, I'm also the editor-in-chief of the AHA journal, Arteriosclerosis, Thrombosis, and Vascular Biology, which uh, covers uh, a lot of the topics that we're going to discuss today. Perfect. Well, thank you very much. This uh, session is being recorded in regards to the uh, 2021 American Heart Association Scientific Sessions. And you are participating in a session regarding single-cell transcriptomics and the cardiovascular applications of that technology. You know, a lot of our listeners, I don't think, are going to know what that technology is. Would you mind helping us define that and help us appreciate what that technology is? Sure. So this session that uh, we are participating in on uh, November 14th, uh, this is a, a session that's been put together by the editors of the ATVB journal. And uh, what we try and do is each year at sessions, we try and focus on a topic that we really think is uh, at an evolutionary stage that uh, maybe um, is not totally stable and in some of its uh, evolution, but is uh, clearly something that's going to evolve to the stage where it's been going to be paramount that everyone be familiar with it in medicine and science. And so, you know, this particular session is on single cell transcriptomics. So people are probably very familiar with numerous results of numerous years where we take a piece of tissue, we take that whole tissue, we extract uh, materials from it for transcriptomics will be the messenger RNA. And then we look at the abundance and you know how much is the for RNAs for the molecules that we want to implicate in a, a disease status. Mm -hmm. So what this particular technology is, is refining that because realizing that any tissue has got lots of different cells in it. And even cells that are the same type can sometimes be operating quite differently. So what this technology is trying to do is recognize that there is a, a, a wide heterogeneity. And basically what it does, it is a way of taking a tissue, separating that tissue in, into its constituent cells, and then doing the mRNA measurements for that individual cell, and then building up this uh, pathway. So we've really got a good idea as to whether if we have a piece of tissue, what type of cells are in there, and say, for example, muscle cells, like smooth muscle cells in aorta, we're able then to use this uh, analysis to be able to say there are different types of smooth muscle cells there, and maybe those different types have important impact on disease processes. So it's, it's a way of, of really defining within a single cell you know, what is transcribed and what is actually 
we haven't got this, but translate it into a protein that's functional. Great. So maybe to, to summarize in my, my own words, so we've, it sounds like we're really being able to hone in much more in a, in a much more granular detail, specifically what each cell is, um, oh, what their messenger RNA looks like. And is this like by each individual cell or is it by, you know, classes of cells that are being analyzed? Well, so that's, um, you know, the, the common application of it at the moment is to take, say, a piece of uh, aorta or a piece of heart, uh, separate that into the individual cells and then figure out the, which type of cells are there and what, uh, what makes those specific classes differentiate in different types. So it's probably more commonly used by taking a, a tissue which is representative of many different types of cells, and then, as I say, both providing what the cell types are and the subclassification. So you, know, you can basically build a pyramid structure of the composition of what's in that tissue, and not only just what's in it, but uh, get some idea of function by knowing what mRNAs are most expressed and what mRNAs are changed uh, during an intervention. Got it. Very interesting. And I've noticed you've been uh, using the word tissue. Does this also include blood samples that can be studied this way? Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, to some extent they're uh, much easier because the, the probably one of the challenges of this whole system is that obviously when you take a tissue out um, to get to the stage where you can isolate individual cells means that you have to do a process to digest the, the glue that's pull, pushing those cells together. So the exocellular matrix has to be given. And so, you know, that's one of the constraints of this technology is that it's, you know, it's just obviously impossible to take a piece of tissue out and then separate it into its constituent cells without having the potential to cause some changes in expression of mRNA during that process. So, you know, that is one of the concerns about uh, interpretation of this, whereas, you know, that's, that's a nice thing with uh, cells in the blood, they're already separated. So the one of the confounders that can cause artifact is totally eliminated. Okay. Could you provide an example, whether, you know, cardiovascular disease related or not, of how this technology has advanced our understanding in biology or medicine? So, you know, it's a, a as I mentioned before, kind of a, process in evolution. So in terms of, you know, what we can do at the moment, you know, we, we can take tissues and we can uh, characterize the individual tissues. We do have that confounding factor of uh, isolation uh, artifact. Also, um, you know, we probably have what, 25,000 transcripts of uh, mRNA. Um, this level of doing this isolation and does not allow us to have every cell get that level of uh, information as well. So we're, we're not at the moment necessarily getting all the information that we could do if we just had the aggregate uh, tissue, just the, the, the sensitivity of the method is not quite there. However, it will be. I mean, it's just very clear. The, these technologies have changed quite, quite drastically. Mm -hmm. So, you know, one of the examples I can think of, for example, we, we published in, in the journal, in one of the uh, sort of themes that probably will be presented in the seminar, that uh, the, the group at Stanford, who is looking at uh, Morfan's disease, were looking at uh, the way that smooth muscle cells were present in the aorta of patients with smooth muscle, and they were looking at the characteristics. And by doing both human tissue analysis and analysis of mouse models that uh, mimic this uh, disease, 
you know, they were able to come up with a very distinctive um, mode in which smooth muscles of a unique phenotype were present in this disease presence. So, you know, that, that does show we can advance the information that's provided by it. Um, we, we still do have that uh, next step impediment be saying, okay, we've got different cells. You know, can we manipulate that cell type to determine whether it affects the, uh, affects the disease process? So, you know, th this has now got to the stage where it's, it's still not easy, but it's still, um, it's now doable for a, a lot greater swath of researchers that gives you insight into the characteristics of tissue. Uh, you know, that, that'll be the great challenge now once we've got a greater adv advancement of being able to characterize what's in the tissue is then the next step of uh, how we're we actually going to change these unique cell types that we might have identified. The challenges of the technology, as you're describing, is the large amount of information. Are there other challenges or barriers to using this technology? Um, well, bluntly, price is is uh, is a bit of a challenge. This is this is very expensive technology, and uh, you know that is um, again one of the concerns that's come up about this is that there you. you I, I, so I, this is very useful. So that what I'm about to say might sound a little uh, dismissive, but you know, it's just one of the things that we have to think about in interpretation. So as I mentioned, the sure. confounder, the isolation artifact, um, the fact that we don't get quite the, the level of information that um, we would if we did a whole tissue just because of sensitivity. And the cost does impart um, the issue that a lot of the studies that are published so far, you know, don't have a lot of uh, statistical power. And so, you know, as a, at a time when we're really pushing to make sure that our science is rigorous and that uh, at all levels of research, we're doing research that has a very strong statistical basis to make conclusions, um, you know, the, the excessive cost of this technology at the moment, you know, is, is a bit of an uh, impediment to really getting a lot of publications that have a very robust statistical basis. Um, you know, but a, a lot of what I, I think the, the latter part of what I just said there, you know, the cost of sequencing has dropped dramatically. And so now to do, you know, whole, whole tissue sequencing, it's, it's now well within the reach of many labs and it's mm -hmm. done in facilities that can do it quickly. Um, I, I would say probably, you know, the, the, the sort of the final uh, concern though, again, which is overcomable, is able to be overcome is the, the, the data sets of vast and not for the faint of heart in terms of being able to analyze. So, I mean, you do have to have uh, some cognizance of the way the analysis goes and not just um, you know, push a button because um, it's very clear that you know, these data sets are so complicated that if you're not really understanding the nuts and bolts of your analysis, you might get a conclusion, but whether that's a very um, robust conclusion and whether someone else looking at the same data set would come to the same conclusion is not clear. So, you know, again, that's a, a general shortage, I think, in a lot of places where people need to get more bioinformatics, but it's just so clear we, we're going to have to expand uh, the community knowledge in that field. Sure. Related to this, I don't know that I actually asked you how long this technology has been around. Um, yeah, bluntly, I'm not sure. As a, a sort of a mainstream, I mean, it's you know, it's been an evolution for quite a long time. But the sort of the, the main instrument that many people use to do the cell isolation, because it's a it's an instrument that you do the isolation and it, it, it embeds each cell in an oil droplet and it has a barcode in so you can identify each cell. 
Um, I, I wouldn't like to be quoted here, but my impression is that has been kind of generally commercially available for maybe around about five years. Okay. And so um, so there's different parts of the technology because the, there's the isolation part, which obviously we've been isolating cells and tissues for a long time, but we still sure. are in the evolution stage. The actual technology of getting an individual cell in a, in a uh, oil bowl with a barcode Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my guess is that's probably the the most novel part of the technology because then the next part is to do the sequencing, which obviously sequencing technology has been around for a long time, but it's sure. just getting quicker and cheaper all the time. Got it. Okay. Well, what are the sort of applications in cardiovascular disease that we can expect to learn about from this year's meeting? You had mentioned um, the group over at Stanford doing their study in Marfan's uh, patients. What other applications might there be? Uh, we have very uh, high-level speakers in f- well, four distinct areas. Of, there might be a little overlap between the topics of two of these speakers. So um, I think it's Dr. Gina Rally, um, who I think has just recently moved actually to NYU. She's published some very high-level papers about, uh, about how cells can be characterized within atherosclerotic uh, tissue. Um, so there's going to be one talk about atherosclerosis. Uh, Dr. Lamar from Baylor and Dr. Uh, Mizrak from um, from University of Michigan, um, they're both uh, great experts in the publication of aortic disease, so they'll give some insight to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dr. Validi from uh, University of Pennsylvania uh, has got uh, a lot of substantive publications on immune cells and, and the heterogeneity, which is vast, of immune cells. And then the, the final speaker will be uh, Dr. Riley at uh, Columbia University in New York, who uh, Dr. Riley is, uh, has got a vast uh, experience in cardiometabolic diseases and is really going to emphasize this technology and, and how it can be used both, you know, frankly, in smaller tissues, but he's also interested in trying to get this information into population-based research. So I think um, these are all great speakers. Again, I think people will get a tremendous amount of information about the current status of where this technology is. And with these type of forward-looking speakers, you know, really be given insight into where this technology could lead. All right. That sounds very exciting. Those sound like some very useful applications. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, and I think, you know, these are all good speakers. So the whole session, you know, I'm hoping will be extremely informative to participants of uh, scientific sessions. Excellent. And, you know, we're kind of wrapping up to the end of our time here, but I guess thinking about like your opinion on the technology, where do you see its future or what are some of the exciting areas from your perspective? Well, I I think getting the analysis uh, into a way that is much more um, user-friendly for the the non-specialist, that's when you'll see a huge pickup because it's frankly getting relatively easy to do the technical science of uh, much of this now Mm -hmm. and just being able to take this data, be able to manipulate it and maybe put your own um, interpretation on how that data is coming out. Because these data sets are so fast, uh, you know, multiple people are going to look at them and probably see different things on it and be able to pull out different points of interest in it. So I, I think we're just going to have, you know, down the road, in fact, it's kind of already happening, have the ability for everyone to go into these data sets and, um, you know, start looking at uh, points of their own particular interest to see if if the data that's available in these public domains give them leads to then start advancing their own research. Very cool. All right. Well, thank you very much. 